Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day y'all are in. Appreciate y'all giving me a little bit of your time. Uh, and always, for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and help it to grow, thank y'all so much. Every time y'all give it to somebody else, uh, it helps spread the word a little bit. I'm going to take one of our little walks today. It is rather windy, though, so hopefully that won't mess things up too bad. have one, two puppy dogs. They're kind of looking interested. We'll see if they actually come out. The weather seems to be turning a little bit in this part of the world. Spring grass is trying to fight through and starting to think about the garden. Uh got some potatoes in recently, and that's about it. So, not a whole lot of progress yet. <clears throat> this is going to be a little bit different. I say that every once in a while. Sometimes I think it is, and sometimes not. But this one is going to be a little bit different, because this is absolutely... Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple quotes that I just stumbled across from our founding fathers. Uh, just because muscle memory, basically. But I think it's going to be a bit more of a monologue, folks. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that right now. I think we still, a lot of us in the country, have blinders on. You know, when, when you know something distasteful is coming, uh, whether it's a, a test when you were in school or a rough conversation that you've got to have with a friend or maybe the better one would be a, a conversation when you're dating somebody and you finally decided that that's, it's just not going to work and you have to have that conversation to let them know that that's not going to work. It's never an enjoyable one, especially if, well, I'll just leave it at that. And I think as a country right now, Kind of like our founders with the British or most of Europe or I'll say England with Hitler in the 30s. And he really, you could even say the United States with Japan right up until Pearl Harbor. We had this delusional idea that we could deal until the very end with the Japanese. Uh, the English minus Churchill really almost exclusively had this idea that Hitler could be dealt with realistically, you know, have sit down, have a conversation with him, talk to him, deal with him. Our founders, quite a few of them, really pushed reconciliation past the point where, where they knew it wasn't going to happen. And there's, there's, that's a good trait to a certain extent, folks. I mean, you've got to try to reconcile for as long as you can. But at some point, you do have to acknowledge that that's just not possible anymore. So what, what's bringing all of this on? As I've talked about this quite a bit. I've got one, one little girl that's going to come out while we walk.
there's the the divide in the country today, folks, is between people that hold dear to our republic's founding faith and principles based on the teachings of Christ and those who embrace, for whatever reason, the evil values of the godless left. That's the divide. It's not Biden versus Trump, Republican versus Democrat. It's not anything like that. It is a ideological divide. And the two sides, they're just not reconcilable. You have to keep trying, especially especially when you're talking about morality. You've got to keep trying. But we got to kind of start to acknowledge that there's just a, there's there's a gulf there that outside of God doing something miraculous, it's just not going to be bridged. And so what are the options? you got to start to look at that realistically. And all this came about because of a letter. I'm going to throw my father under the bus here that he passed on to me. This is a little going to be a little bit inside baseball stuff, folks, about the Marine Corps. But the reason I'm telling you is because I don't think a lot of people realize how much the left is doing. I'm not going to say wants to, although I, I think you can make that argument with some of them. But how much the left is doing to destroy our country. So let me, let me read through this letter. And, and then we'll talk about it a little bit again afterwards. So I'm going to read, this is from a gentleman. Uh, this is the one that sent it to my father. And uh, I'm going to read this because it gives you a little bit of background. It's real short, folks. It won't take too long. He's talking to classmates at TBS, which is the basic school. It's where all Marines have to go through. Every, every Marine officer has to go through the basic school. It doesn't matter where they're at. They're administrative, logistics, supply, artillery, infantry. Everybody has to go through this. And so there's it's, it's kind of like a class reunion a lot of times. These TBS classmates keep up with each other, and, and they kind of inform each other what's going on. Um, because Marines, as I can attest to, have a great love for the Marine Corps. Classmates and others, I'm sure most, if not all of you, are aware of the changes proposed by General Berger that would greatly diminish the Corps' warfighting capability. A group of some 30 very senior retirees became alarmed and are opposing these changes. This movement, if I can use the term, has not been made public and probably will not be made so until next month. In the meantime, my former company commander, Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Riper has written a letter to the Marine Corps Gazette in response to a previous letter on the subject. I'm going to throw in some stuff here from time to time, folks. The Marine Corps Gazette is the professional publication for officers in the Marine Corps. So if that makes sense to y'all, most of y'all that are in any kind of profession, you have a professional journal, professional publication that you read to keep up with. And the Gazette is the Marine Corps version of that for officers. It's published once a month, once every two months, I forget, which is shameful. But at any rate, the, that's where a lot of 
conversations are kind of hashed out in the officer corps. You send in letters to the editor, others respond, go back and forth. There's a lot of things that get spoken of there, and it kind of gives people an open forum. Van Riper has written a letter to the Marine Corps Gazette in response to a previous letter on the subject. I have permission to share this with my peers and others. I would only add what an irony it is that the Marine Corps has faced external threats to its existence before. But for the first time, I think, the threat is internal. I'm puzzled to understand what Corps General Berger served in. I understand fairly well the pressures he might face, but shouldn't he, at the very least, be dragged kicking and screaming into such a change? And if that failed, he does have a sword to fall on. Letters to the Gazette follow. The writer of the letter, Reed Bennett, that Lieutenant General Van Riper references, is a Harvard MBA with a doctorate. He is the founder of Hero Homes, a nonprofit which builds homes for the disabled. I plan to write the Commandant, and Lieutenant General Van Riper has suggested others might want to do the same. If so, the address follows. One thing I wanted to talk to you about here, if you're not familiar with this term, fall on a sword, uh, for military people, what that means kind of historically is, in this case, what he's saying is, is shouldn't the Commandant of the Marine Corps be willing to trade his career to stand up for the right thing? And good Lord, folks, I, that argument immediately comes to mind when they started pushing this nonsense of co-ed units in the Marine Corps 40, 50 years ago, LGBTQ relationships in the Marine Corps. Uh, this just horrific withdrawal from Afghanistan just within the last year. These are decisions that somewhere somebody should have been willing to trade their career for. And that's what he's referring to. So here's the letter now from Lieutenant General Van Riper, who's retired. And I, I can't remember if I just said this earlier. The way this ties in is my father served under um, one of the two Van Riper twins in Vietnam. And then this letter that he refers to, that Van Riper refers to, is the one written, written by the Harvard MBA, uh, Bennett, I believe. And if we have time, we might read a little bit of that. But I think this one gets the point across. The letter below speaks volumes to what is wrong with the direction the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Berger, is taking our Corps. Having studied every publicly available do document, that the general or his staff has published concerning this new direction, I could also write volumes about the misgiving of every Marine, active and retired, that I know. Let me share just a few of my thoughts. First, Marine Reed M. Bennett's words are on the mark. The Corps will not survive if it is not a combined arms force. In fact, Title X of the U.S. Code states unequivocally that the Marine Corps shall be organized, trained, and equipped to provide fleet Marine forces of combined arms, together with supporting air components. General Berger's elimination of tanks and reduction of cannon artillery from 21 to 5 batteries make it impossible for infantry battalions to form combined arms. If this were not troubling enough, the General also intends to disband three infantry battalions and to reduce the remaining 21 by one-third, eliminating about 10,000 infantrymen from our Corps. Some would try and argue the case that the Marine Air Ground Team constitutes combined arms. My response is, though the Marines' aviation makes the Corps what it has been for over a century, 
it and infantry units alone do not create a combined arms team. Note, however, that General Berger also plans to reduce the aviation element by one-third. And none of these concerns address an equally distressing one, his plan to allow civilians to enter the Corps laterally, which will destroy the very ethos that makes Marines different and the most loyal and cohesive military in the world. In my humble view, General Berger's plans pose an existential threat to the Marine Corps. Paul K. Van Riper, Lieutenant General, U.S. Marine Corps, retired. A lot of stuff that probably many of y'all don't have a clue what was just said, folks. Here's the bottom line, real short. They're going to take away a huge chunk of the infantry. They've already taken away a huge chunk of artillery, all of armor, and they're going to reduce the aviation. The Marine Corps is designed to kick indoors. We are not big enough to sustain for years. You can make the argument that we've been used incorrectly quite a bit over the last 20 years. Uh, we kick the door in, and then the Army and the Navy come in, depending on the situation, geographical location, and they finish the job. There is no way for the Marine Corps to kick the door in and serve in its capacity without combined arms, meaning you've got an infantryman that's supported by air power, artillery, and armor. It's, it's simply not possible. You can't do it. We have China and Russia both on the horizon which are big enough threats on their own that, that not only should we not be reducing our military capability, we ought to be increasing. And instead, we're making it weaker. We're reducing the capability that we already have on top of the fact that we make each of our units weaker because we, we push the leftist feminist nonsense of co-ed units, pretending that men and women are the same, across all MOSs, that's the military occupational specialty, whatever your, whatever your specialty is, co-ed units make a unit weaker. We push the fact that LGBTQ relationships do not make the military weaker, which they absolutely do, just like Marines that commit adultery make a unit weaker. So we push, we're already making the units weaker, and now we're going to take more and more away so that it gets even weaker. When we have Threats outside of the United States growing, our enemies are getting stronger, and we're making ourselves weaker. And, and how? So here's the point. This is, this is why we're talking about this today, folks, because so many people, we are not making the logical connection. This goes back to an episode we did a while back talking about the idea, and we've talked about it a little bit off and on. Socially liberal but conservatively fiscal is a pipe dream. It is. It's not a possibility because eventually your lack of morality is going to seep over into economic, foreign policy, fiscal policy, whatever you want to talk about. Your lack of morality is going to seep into those and you're going to say, oh, well, we can cut this corner. We can do this. Even though some it's, it's wrong, we're going to go ahead and do it. You cannot have a strong United States if you do not have a moral people at the core. If you have a people that are not, as Adam said, a moral and religious people, you can't have it, folks. And so th this is this is the connection. We we'll go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. What I'm talking about is we still have blinders on. You cannot sit there and reconcile with people that stand for rejection of God from our institutions, murdering babies, 
LGBTQ relationships, illegal immigration flooding the country with criminals, socialism, communism, bigotry, and CRT, critical race theory, revisionist history, all these things, these are immoral stances. You, you cannot reconcile with people like that and then assume that the nation, the communities, our schools, our families, our states are going to remain strong. It's an impossibility, folks, and it, it's, it's foolhardy. That's not the word I want to use, but I'm not going to use the word I want to use. It's foolhardy for us to assume that we can stand here side by side, work with these people, live with these people, allow them to push their evil values into every single facet of our nation's lives from institutions all the way down to schools and families and have no repercussions for that. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's, it, it makes no sense, folks. It's not logical in any possible. That's like saying we're going to let the bank robbers come in and steal everything, but people are still going to trust the bank. That's like saying I'm going to go cheat on my spouse, but I'm not going to have any consequences for that. That's like saying we're going to malnourish our children, but they're still going to grow up strong and healthy. Yeah, these probably aren't the best analogies, folks. It's just off the cuff. It doesn't happen. It, it, it's, it's not possible. And so what we're seeing, this letter from this retired lieutenant general in the Marine Corps, what I'm telling you, folks, is there is a concerted effort to destroy the United States of America. And it's been going on for a long time, and we've been ignoring it. And it's getting kicked up a notch, folks. And they are, they are literally, the left right now is dismantling our military. Right now, today. They've been doing it for a while. Know this. <laughs> so at, at least you can't tell somebody you didn't know. The left is dismantling our capability and have been for decades. All of those things that I've already listed. Now I'm going to go back to them. You can go back and listen again if you're that bored. They are dismantling our military and making it impossible for us to face external and, here's the kicker, internal threats. Because every single, every time you have somebody in the military that signs up, they agree to defend the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Every time you re-up, you say that of every single time. They are making the military weaker. Not only does that make us less capable of facing external threats, folks, it makes us less able to defend internally against this evil of leftism, socialism, communism, fascism, and there's some people out there that know it. You need to understand this. This is, this is happening. This is not something that might be happening. This is not something that somebody's getting riled up about because they heard a rumor here that it one day might happen. And it, it really has been happening. This is the frustrating thing, folks. Everybody's upset about the price of gas right now, right? Like, like the President Biden just magically did that on his own. No, no, he didn't. You know who did that? The people that put him in the position of power, the people that voted for him. And not even him, folks. It's the people that have been doing this decade after decade for the last almost century. 
putting people in positions of power, supporting evil ideology. That, that is who's doing this. I, I have a, a deep affection for my country and, and my particular, my Marine Corps folks. And so that's why y'all had to listen to this today. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I guess more than that, though, you need to know what's going on. I am going to read one quote because I end with this so often. And, and I don't have the quote right in front of me so often, but I stumbled across it again today. And, and just some other reading. I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to read, well, I'm going to read one at least. This is from Patrick Henry. May of 1765. This is in response to the Stamp Act, or this is this is part of the Stamp Act resolves, or his commentary on it. Whether this will prove a blessing or curse will depend upon the use our people make of the blessings which a gracious God hath bestowed on us. If they are wise, they will be great and happy. If they are of a contrary character, they will be miserable. Righteousness alone can exalt them as a nation. Reader, whoever thou art, remember this, and in thy sphere practice virtue thyself and encourage it in others. You have a sphere of influence, folks, and the only thing that's going to save this country is we as a people turning back to God and the teaching of Christ. That's the only thing. Uh, Trump's not going to save us. Biden's not going to destroy us. You're not going to get help from one party or the other because of that party. The only thing that's going to turn this around is if we turn back to God as a nation. That's it. It's the only hope. And it may be too late already. You know, we may have pushed it so far that God's saying, well, there's a price to pay. That doesn't mean we still can't go to him individually. That's still our only hope, folks, in this life and the next. That's the only hope. But if we are going to save this country, that's it's got to be there. It's got to be there in culture and education in our families. And then we've got to start to get ready for whatever is coming. And whatever that sphere of influence that you have is, this is a quote that I end with so often for those of y'all that are here frequently. You have that sphere of influence. If it's in a private conversation, one-on-one somewhere, sitting around a fire, great, have it. If it's at the dinner table with some friends, have it. If it's with the gas station attendant that you see every Thursday morning, have it. If it's at the church Bible study, if it's at school, if it's at work in the break room, if it's at the doctor's office, if it's on the phone with a fellow stay-at-home mom or at a play date or wherever it is, folks, have the conversation at least so that you have your conscience clear. And when all this mess starts happening, you can say, I did something. I tried at least a little bit to wake the country up. Thank you all so much for joining me, as always. We look forward to it and appreciate it. God bless y'all. God bless America. God bless your families. We'll talk to y'all again real soon.